We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's welcome in former Sixers president. And you can probably list 20 other things or more in Pat Croce's life. Pat Croce, thanks for joining us. John, it's my pleasure and my honor. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. I mean, Philly is pumped. Uh, Social media is a thing these days. So everybody's talking about you ringing the bell at the Sixers game, game two of the playoff series. How exciting of a moment is this for you? You know, I wasn't even thinking about ringing a bell, John. I, I, Laura called me up, Laura Price, who said she was talking with Scott O'Neill, the CEO, and said, we should have Pat Croce. And I said, mm, I've been pretty isolated. You know, I, I'm excited about the Sixers' chances this year. And I said, um, any chance you'd talk about healed and you would let my grandkids come? She said, yes. I said, yes. Okay, I'm in. Because my grandkids have never seen me down in the arena. That, you know, my oldest is 15 years old, Pat. And so they, know, they don't know pop-up from the Sixers' years. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Oh, that's amazing. So let me ask you this. Um, have you, are you going to practice ringing the bell? I mean, you got you to hit it hard. You do? Well, I'll whack <laughs> don't break it no, no it's already has a crack right you're exactly right yeah no That's there's great. no practice there's no practice give me that i'll be like thor give me that mallet i love it and and, and what is that going to be like to feel the juice of the crowd again at the wells fargo center you know john i don't even know how to anticipate that because it's not in this present moment, but I can say that the enthusiasm I've always had in the middle of Philly fandom has just been the highest vibrational frequency that it just reverberates out into the universe. It's just like, that's why I'm excited. Truly, I am. I'm, I'm hoping I can sleep tonight. I'll have to kind of like just chill because I really will get excited about just the, 
I mean, it's playoffs. It's the Sixers in the playoffs. I haven't seen, been in that arena in that atmosphere for 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Like, it's, whoa. I haven't changed. But, and I know the atmosphere hasn't changed. So the excitement within me, John, to answer your question, is just starting to bubble up. And I'm going to try to keep it at bay, almost like I did when I won that lottery pick in 96. I was supposed to keep my hands still and my feet were moving. And it just, boof. I love it. And, and you're going to see the crowd go crazy. So what do you think this means to people as well? They've got 11,000 plus back in the Wells Fargo Center. Oh, and, Yeah. And, and, and next month, hopefully sold out crowds once the restrictions loosen even more. But how special is that for people to be able to get back together in that Sixers environment in the Wells Fargo Center? Oh, I think it's wonderful. You know that that's the sixth man. You know that that's that the necessary push that the team can use. I mean, not that the players of this year's realm aren't great, but who, who can't benefit from the energy of Philadelphia Sixers fans in the court? I didn't know that. I thought it was only 4,000 fans allowable. Yeah, and Doc Rivers, after the game Sunday, said it felt like 30,000 were in there. I heard that. I heard that. And it's it's a Philly, it's a Philly energy. You know, it's just so volcanic. I don't even know how to express it, but I know how it had an effect on me during my five-year reign. So when you're going through this time now and you're anticipating ringing the bell and you see what this team is doing, how much of those memories come back from 20 years ago? You know, John, it's because I was asked to ring the bell that the memories are coming back. I don't visit the past too often. I'm pretty much in the present moment. But the memories are just so outrageous, like Alan stepping over. And it's just like, oh, like all the playoffs. Like at the end of this game seven against Milwaukee, Ray Allen and the Bucks, I ran onto that court. That's the last time I was really on the court. I mean, I did walk Allen out when he retired his jersey. But 20 years ago, and I jumped in Matumbo's arms. I know I didn't know I could jump that high. And I mean, it became a cover of the Daily News. I mean, I just, you, you can't describe something unless you can experience it because how do you describe super enthusiasm? How do you, t- with, with 20,000 in attendance, even 11,000 just feeling energy off each other, as you mentioned, it just bubbles, like it bubbles. And everyone there is already anticipating the, bubbling well said and you know it's interesting i've thought about this because i remember that ride 20 years ago you saw the flags on the cars everywhere you went and it is unbelievable because even though they didn't win the championship it's one of the most beloved teams and that ride was unbelievable and i got a sense this year pat honestly up until the first playoff game it just didn't feel the same you didn't have the same juice and i wonder if that's because there was only three thousand allowed in um and, and the pandemic has really brought uh, let's say everybody's, um, you know, mindset down and, and your hope down a little bit. So do you think this is going to help bring everybody back and get that juice back, everybody being allowed back in? Oh, without a doubt. You know, because it opens the gates to normalcy and it allows people to remember what was can be right now. Even though if there's only 10,000, 5,000, 
everyone who walks in that building with the energy to just drive on their Sixers to a victory is just going to percolate, vibrate, marinate into some super sauce, some super sauce. I love it. Super sauce. Uh, speaking of super sauce, uh, you did some pretty incredible things when you were Sixers president. I believe you <laughs> descended descended from the ceiling of the Wells Fargo Center down to the court. Uh, I believe you went up on the Walt Whitman Bridge, right? I did. I, You know, the Walt Whitman Bridge, I didn't want to do that, John. I did not want to do that. A buddy of mine, Aces, a rabid Sixers fan, Enzo Bergesi, he had a little bar around the corner from the arena, said, Pat, you got to climb. They're, they're union workers. They all work there. I said, I'm not climbing the Walt Whitman Bridge. I, I happened to climb the water tower at Manion. And when we made it to the playoffs, we were ranked number one 20 years ago. So I climbed the water tower and put a Sixers banner in Iverson's jersey at the very top. And he said, Pat, you got to climb the Walt Whitman Bridge. I said, what are you, crazy? I'm not climbing the Walt Whitman Bridge. He said, Pat, and they were bugging me. I said, okay, if we make it to the finals, I'll climb the bridge. So that's why I climbed the bridge. And then I'm up there and we hung this, I think it was five foot by 70 foot, go Sixers beat Lakers. And the helicopters are hovering right at my eyesight up there. And it was just sick. It was great. I mean, traffic was stopped on the bridge. Philadelphia was kind of like in suspended animation, like, and just get ready for Shaq to come here. And hopefully we could give him a knockout punch. That is amazing. What was more terrifying or what, what got you worried more, the uh, repelling or descending from the Wells Fargo <laughs> roof or the Walt Whitman? <laughs> you know, the, the repelling on the Walt Whitman, at least I had shackles on. The repelling coming down, and that's before they outlawed it. I was, I was coming, I was sitting up there in the rafters while I was... Um, can't remember who was at the free throw line. I had to wait till the halftime to come down. And so I'm waiting up there till he misses the free throw and the whistle blows and everyone leaves. And then the music. And so I just, you know, came down at the last minute. I inverted and came down head first. It was kind of like sitting up there was the scariest part, not coming down. And then I grabbed Ann Iverson and we came out. We had her at center court throwing stuff into the stands. And it was just, okay, we're in the playoffs. Let's go. Yeah, it is on for everything. So is there anything we can get you to do if they make it back to the finals this year? What do you have in mind? Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, you coming down from the ceiling of the Wells Fargo Center again would be pretty wild. We'd have to sneak it, John, because I don't think Adam Silver will allow it. I think they outlawed that. So after you did it, they outlawed it probably. I think not because I did it, but I think one of the mascots might have fell in another arena. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they had padding. Yeah. <laughs> See, they probably got the idea from you and they're like, hey, how about we put our mascot up there? Yeah, if, that knuckle, if that knucklehead can do it, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing time that was 20 years ago. You just talked about like your memory of Allen Iverson stepping over Teron Lewin. and that's one of my main memories. What are a couple of the other main memories from that run that you have? Oh, I, now this is a sad sight. This was game one. Now we ended up in first place, just like this team, just like the 21 team. And we start the year off 10 and 0. Now we have to play the dreaded yellow team from Indiana, the Pacers, with Reggie Miller. And they've knocked us out the two prior years in the second round, okay? 
So we were still excited because we made it to the second round and we were building up and Larry Brown was coaching the team and now Matumbo was on the team. So it's first game and we're all excited at the, I don't know, it was the first union center, whatever it was called back then. The FU center. Yeah, you center. Okay. And that's what I like to say to Reggie Miller. But damn if he didn't score the game winner at the end and we lose. Now, here we go again. We haven't beaten this team nine straight times in the playoffs. And it was just so and but the team got it together and won the next three or four in a row. And then we moved on. And then the next memory is game seven home in Philadelphia with Vince Carter from the left side of the key, shooting that shot to win it, to win it. And it hits the rim and bounces out. Yes, we break the spell. We go to the third round, and now we're going to face Ray Allen and Milwaukee. Oh, I mean, each time it just kept building up and building up. So they were to one really sad, which then – reverted to super positive and then one pure positive and then the win over Milwaukee and then and then the overtime in LA you kidding me it was just I mean there was Sharon Stone at the end of my aisle I'd get up I'd yell, I'm yelling at them because I'm the only one standing there. everyone else is you know booing me and booing the Sixers Jack Nichols get out of here Jack how about that Philly versus LA there's nothing better there was and that truly was forget about the metaphor David and Goliath, Allen versus Shaq, and then they have Kobe, and then they got Corey, and they got Fisher, and they got marksmen from every point on the court. It was just until Jackson coaching. I mean, it was really an unbelievable team that they had. Yeah, when you look back and you think about the job that Larry Brown did coaching and then what Allen Iverson did and everybody buying in, because a lot of those teammates of Allen's, they were backups before they came to Philly, and then when they left, they were backups again. How remarkable was that? I think it's as remarkable as there's the sun and the planets that revolve around it. That's exactly what it was. Larry Brown had the brilliance to allow Albert Iverson to be that sun. And then the other stars in George Lynch and Eric Snow and um, Aaron McKee, Ty, Ty uh, who else? Tyrone Hill. I mean, Hill. and Matumbo. Raja I mean, they, Bell? what's that? Raja Bell. Raja Bell. Raja Bell. I mean, yeah. I mean, but they played. That's the beauty of when you do what you do to the best of your ability. You never know what the outcome will be. Just give it your best. That's all. When this team right now, this 21 Sixers gives it their best, there could be a parade in Philadelphia. But each and every one of them has to give it their best. 1983, Pat, since the Sixers last won a championship. I mean, I'm adding that up in my head. 17 plus 21, that's 38 years? That's crazy. It's got to happen. Yeah, and yeah, and I wanted to parade so bad, John. I was going to start in North Philly. I was going to have the mummers. I, I mean, I already had – I had talked to the mayor at the time, Rendell, Mayor Rendell, and we had floats. I mean, I flat – Fed trucks, flyovers, and contact at the airport. I, I mean, I was expecting a parade. I mean, I, so, okay, I didn't do it. Your turn. Yeah, I mean, what do you think it is about the psyche of our city, Pat? And you know it because 
sometimes that doubt creeps in with everybody and, and they don't maybe sometimes go all in, let themselves out there with the hope because of so many of the disappointments. I mean, Philly does deserve more championships. But what do you think is going into the psyche of our city, underdog city, and, and maybe not all in sometimes because you don't want to be let down again? John, you know you're saying it perfectly. Use the word hope. I don't like the word hope. Now, that doesn't sound loving, right? They'll say, what do you mean, Pat, you don't like hope? Hope is the smiley face of fear. Hope has this subtle sense of fear. I hope they win. But I fear they may not. No! Expect them to win. Just expect them. Bring that high vibrational frequency to everything you do and cheer like it's no tomorrow that every play, every quarter, every game is the last game. That's it. There's a Zen, there's an old Zen philosophy. How you do anything is how you do everything. So don't go halfway in, as you're saying. Don't burn all the lifeboats. Hammer the back door close. We're just going dead ahead. That's it for the win. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because a lot of people say Philly is one of the toughest places to play. And you have been around all of the legends of the past, like Bob Clark, Mike Schmidt, Dr. J, all those guys. And you saw how they came up. And there is a certain, me growing up here as well, uh, there's a chip. There's, there's sometimes uh, a lot of booing, of course. We know that there's a lot of booing. And there is some anger. Do you think this is one of the toughest places to play? And do you think it sometimes affects the athletes to play here? I wouldn't know. Since I didn't play here, John, I don't know if it's the toughest. I do know that they are the smartest, the most critical. You can't BS them. You know, they, when they ask you, like you ask me a question, you're not just going to tolerate a yum yum answer. That doesn't work here. Somewhere else it may work. Down in Orlando, it may work. It won't work in Philadelphia. They want to know because they consider it my team. My team. The identity of that Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia is first and foremost. And that's where I'm born, raised, bred in this area of Philadelphia. So don't mess with me. Give me the truth. And whatever the truth might be, they can tolerate it. Like in my first year, I had to dismiss the general manager and the coach. I went out, Mia Copa, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and I'm going to rectify this. I went, by golly, I mean, I held my hands up. I really made a mistake. They appreciate that. So I don't know if it's hard. They're not hard. What they are is smart. So don't try to BS them. Don't play that game. These, this, Philadelphia is like a corner team. You know, they used to say that bring their lunchbox to work. They don't mess with the corner. Yeah, and you did that as Sixers president. You really knew how to connect with the fans. Um, I want to ask you, in your lifetime, how many things were tougher and, and maybe getting a truce when Larry Brown wanted to trade Allen Iverson and Allen Iverson wanted his coach Larry Brown fired and you brought them together in a room and – you could legitimately say that you saved the Sixers in that time. There might not have been a scarier time for me than the night before, because I get a call from both of them. I think it was after a Detroit game. Larry wants to trade Allen tomorrow, and Allen won't come to practice unless I fire Larry Brown. Now. And I, I said, let's meet tomorrow. 
let's meet tomorrow. And so we got in tomorrow, tomorrow came and it was, it was scary because you have this superstar athlete, this all-star coach, and they were so far apart right now. But what they didn't know was that they were so close together. They were looking in a mirror and they didn't realize it. But I can tell you, AI was like this to start. And by the end, he's like this. And toward the very end, he got up and went around and hugged Larry Brown. And it was just a marvelous thing. And I think I was just sweating. Like, I felt like I won a championship after that. It was like, oh, <laughs> because, I mean, I, we couldn't do anything without either one of them. And that's the first thing I said, Alan, I'm not firing the coach. Larry, I'm not trading Alan Iverson. And I never went against Larry, whatever he wanted to do. He's the head coach. He knows basketball. I don't know basketball. I know people. I just, nope. And then just tried to demonstrate to them how similar they were, not the differences. And it got a little nasty. I had to get down back on the corner, a Philly corner, and bring the corner out so that they both understood what each of the other one didn't appreciate in the other and how they were being disrespected, both of them. And that really, I think, opened their eyes. That's a great Thank story. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, like, you know, you had the whole thing with the trade with, uh, and Matt Geiger had the, what is it called? The trade block, or he has the trade approval or whatever it's called. Um, and, and if that doesn't happen with Matt Geiger blocking it, right? Allen's traded. Yeah, that was another time. That was another, that was another time. And that was, that was, I called Alan on that one because Larry wanted to trade. And I, I didn't say no to that one. That was before this, this meeting. It was something before that. This is when, uh, uh, yeah, there was like a four-way, three-way trade. And I called him up. I said, Bubba, you know, Larry wants to trade you. I mean, he's, he's telling him, telling him he's, wants, he's going to trade you. And he said, Pat, please, please tell him. Uh, I won't be late for practice. I won't. I want to be the captain. I want to be the captain when I come back. I really, and he I'll tell you, he, he fulfilled everything that he said he was going to do. It really, and luckily, Matt Geiger didn't have trade kicker. He had a trade kicker in where he'd get an extra 15% if he got traded. On top of the fortune he was already getting. <laughs> yeah, man, those are wild times because we've had some relationships in Philadelphia sports history that have gone awry, like Eric Lindros and Bob Clark and T.O. and Andy Reid, but Larry Brown... And Allen Iverson, if you didn't have that human touch, it may not have survived. It probably wouldn't have. Well, John, it's only because, and it wasn't me, there was one common denominator in that world. Love. That was it. I loved Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson loved Coach Brown. Coach Brown loved Allen Iverson in his unique way. And all you had to do is let that loss and take away the thoughts and the feelings and everything all those superpositions that were burying the love down and dust it off and then watch it shine it it did it did and then boom the rest was history well hopefully that parade that you were talking about that you planned hopefully maybe they could use those same plans maybe that could be the thing maybe you could give them your plans <laughs> and no hopefully john don't give us that hopefully Let's just go with it. Let's just support the team to the best of a fan's ability to support the team. Coach Rivers, and I like, I love Doc. I, I knew Doc back when he played in Atlanta, and I think he's a wonderful coach. And he's, you see what he's doing with these players, and you know the skill set on the court 
oh my goodness. And now they just have to play, continue to play as a team and play defense as intensely as they know they can score. Is this team more talented than that team 20 years ago? Oof. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to diss anyone by saying yes or no, because I'm not the basketball expert. It's best to ask, you know. See, I like that. You knew I, you knew I would not accept, I think you said a num-num answer or something. You, you know, you, but you said, I can't tell you. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really, I really can't. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's anyone pound for pound more talented than Bubba Chuck, Allen Iverson. And now you've got Joel Embiid, who pound for pound is quite impressive. So, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's like you combine Shaq with like somebody who can shoot a three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and Pat, you're doing, yeah, it is scary. You're, you, and you're doing great work right now with the American Cancer Society. Um, Tell us about what you're doing with the Healed Project, and, and you're raising a great amount of money for obviously a cause that everyone cares about in our country. Well, John, we know cancer has what? One degree of separation, not six degrees. Everyone knows someone, if not themselves, who has been touched by cancer. And so toward the end of last year, I was touched with a T-cell lymphoma, and I had the radiation and the excision across my chest, and nothing. I mean easy compared to what I've seen, but I took it as a calling to come back out from self-isolation. And I called the American Cancer Society and uh, they have this program called HEAL, Health and Energy Through Active Living Every Day. And they did research with 85 patients in 2019 with great results, cognitive behavior, temperature, blood pressure, everything, but it was tabled. They didn't have the money for engagement, for getting the 400 patients needed for the second study, because they're all about empirical data. They need research data. That's what the ACS is. So I said, how much do you need? They said, 2.5 million. I said, okay, I'll put up 10%, I'll raise the rest. And boom, now we're in it. So I urge every one of you to go to acshealed.com, whether you wanna give $25, whatever you want to give, it doesn't matter. Register, get this gorgeous black lava bead bracelet with the one green bead. We're all in this together, similar to the Sixers team. We're all in this together. Green stands for harmony, nature, and healing. And you wear it with pride, love, and truth. And every month, every Wednesday, John, every Wednesday at noon, I hold a Zoom meeting open to everyone who's registered and they come on and for an hour, we talk about health, nutrition, uh, health equity, um, spiritual body, mind, spirit. And it's great. And Mike Schmidt was my first guest to share his experience with melanoma. I mean, it's Laura Price of the Sixers came on a week or so ago to talk about her experience with melanoma. People don't even know that she had melanoma and, and just how an active lifestyle has enhanced not only her outlook, but her work, everything. And I just don't want anyone to give up. And everyone, John, who has been touched by cancer, family member, caregiver, survivor, has that sort of fear hanging over their head. You know, what can I do that I used to be able to do? How long am I going to live? How painful is it? Well, I want to remove that sword. I want to take that sword off and slice it right into the presence, bring everyone 
to the present moment. And that's what our, our goal of Healed is, is to get everyone, to encourage them, to inspire them, to entertain them, to inform them that a healthy lifestyle is available when you're in the present moment. That's fantastic. And with you, it all starts with love. And people can go to the website, acshealed.com, and they can get all the information there and donate as well. John, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you all. Thank you all. And I'll see you. I'll see you on the court. This is going to be fun. (laughs) 